Welcome to Force Points to the Point Cybersecurity Podcast. Each week, join Eric Trexler and Erica Pierce to explore the latest in government cybersecurity news and trending topics. Always covered in 15 minutes or less. Now, let's get to the point. Hi, and welcome to To The Point Cybersecurity. This is your host, Erica Pierce, and I'm joined as always by my co-host, Eric Trexler. How are you doing, Eric? Doing great, Erica. Did you have a good holiday? Loved it. Nothing but downtime. Yourself? Excellent. Um, same here. Got lots of lots of good downtime and reading. So um, just ready to get back into the uh, start of things. So excited that this week we have a, um, a guest, a famous guest, actually. Uh, we have Sean Berg from Force Point. And, and Sean, I, I say that you're famous because you were recently named one of the top 50 leaders in federal technology by Fred Scoop. So you're our first uh, award winning guest that we've had <laughs> on the podcast. <laughs> well, thank you for having me on today. Appreciate it. <laughs> So, so great. So, Sean, um, I know there's a couple of things that we want to jump in and talk with you about. Uh, the mm-hmm. first thing I wanted to touch upon was a recent article that you wrote um, talking about the human element in terms of the cybersecurity landscape. And um, we'll include a link to the article in our show notes so all of the listeners can uh, check it out. But I, I thought it was interesting in terms of the perspective that you were discussing as far as how um, government and other organizations can be shifting their focus in terms of how they they can, um, you know, use humans as a line of defense in terms of cyber espionage. Uh, just c- talk a little bit more about the article and, and just your thoughts on, on sort of this human-centric approach. I know that's something that um, Forcepoint as a company uh, really, you know, tries to introduce in, into the cyber landscape. Yeah, I think, um, thank you for that. I think there's a general realization that the current, you know, thought of a threat-centric approach to cybersecurity you know, hasn't achieved all of its, uh, you know, the goals in, in terms of, uh, uh, you know, enhancing the security efficacy uh, of organizations worldwide. You know, in 2018, they're saying it probably approximately $96 billion will be spent on threat-centric um, approaches to cybersecurity, so technology. And I don't know about you, but I don't necessarily feel, feel safer, you know, mm-hmm. online and, you know, uh, uh, you know, operating a, a, a business in cyberspace. So we've taken a, an approach at force point and, and certainly a lot of what the discussion in the paper was all about was taking a different approach to cybersecurity and focusing on the, the true, true, true con, you know, the uh, constants within a, uh, within the cyber equation, which is, are the humans, the people that you're trying to protect and the critical data. Um, and, you know, given what's going on in cybersecurity today and given what's going on with the digital transformation and you have, you know, accessing applications in the cloud and you have, um, you know, individuals that have that house data on mobile devices and on USB drives and things, your data um, is everywhere and trying to take a outward facing uh, a border focused uh, cybersecurity uh, strategy is, is just not, going to uh, address all the, the more sophisticated challenges that are that are coming at you today. So, you know, the, the approach was how do you look at, you know, humans and human centric behavior to apply that, uh, you know, uh, uh, that approach to, you know, increasing your uh, 
the efficacy of your cybersecurity, you know, landscape out there. So. And, and from the, the cybersecurity ventures, uh, statistics you quoted, Sean, in the, in the article, right? yeah. we're going to increase our, our security spending to exceed 1 trillion between 2017 and 2021. The, the piece that got me though, is the cost of cybercrime around the world will rise to $6 trillion annually by 2021. I mean, if you look at the GDP of most nations, we're we're talking some pretty pretty large nations worth of cost there. Yeah, and if you're you know if you're spending all of that money, right, and the cost of the breaches are going up, you know, even exponentially from from there, you're spending a lot more money and getting less security efficacy. So something has to change. But right? does it? And, I mean, we've been doing this for 30 years. It's getting worse and worse. To quote you, inherently, something is wrong with any prediction that correlates increased spending on prevention with increased damages mm-hmm. from successful penetration of those same defenses. So what, what you're saying there is we keep spending more and more money and we get further and further behind. Yeah, yeah. And essentially, yeah, that's, that's it. So why are we spending all of this money uh, exclusively on, you know, the a threat centric, you know, border security approach. Why not focus more of that um, energy, time, um, money onto where the real challenge is? What are you really trying to, to accomplish within your organization? You know, ultimately, you're trying to protect your people and protect the critical data. And if you, you know, view a defense in depth uh, approach to uh, cybersecurity and, and really, you know, focus your efforts around those two critical constants within your organization, you know, that, that there's probably a much better um, uh, use of your, your, your funding dollars in that space, in that area. When you spend time with the other 49 of the top 50, <laughs> When when do you all when do all of you see that changing like like a, a light switch you know a, a light going on and hey we keep spending more money and getting less back well I think you're starting to see that and I think you're starting to see that when you look across industry in that more and more uh, cybersecurity companies out there are investing in behavior analytics right so you see that user and entity behavioral analytics or behavioral analytics is a big buzzword out there uh, today. But, you know, really investing in um, capabilities that look at, you know, what individuals or entities are doing on your network and how that applies to their riskiness of that entity, whether it's aberrant behavior, behavior that's outside of the norm or, you know, um, touching and and, uh, manipulating uh, critical data. So the, the more you see that out there, you know, in companies making acquisitions in this space or talking about um, analytics as it relates to, you know, their um, approach to cybersecurity, I think that is that in itself is a indicator that more, you know, it's it's more important to look at the human side of the the cyber equation. And, and so. Sean, just on, on that same note, if we flip it back just to on the government side, do you mm-hmm. think in terms of shifting that paradigm, do you think that the industry can shift that or will it be in terms or government will have to shift? Well, their it's, it's everybody's got to, you know, everybody's got to step in and, you know, you hope that there's not a, you know, this you know big emotional event that has to happen <laughs> in order to trigger, you know, the uh, uh, changes in this space. And I think you're, you're already seeing it. You know, there was a, uh, a, a, a 
you know, a presidential directive you know, not long ago around uh, insider threat and making sure that, you know, all classified networks have um, an insider threat program in place to ensure that uh, individuals can't um, exfiltrate data and, you know, to be able to monitor those networks. That's a big step. I think you're seeing uh, NIST get heavily in- engaged around this to provide um, uh, guidance to organizations, you know, around that. And it's not just a government problem. Remember, mm-hmm. you know, you know, government is inextricably intertwined with the defense industrial base, with, you know, contractors, with thir- other third parties, with commercial providers. So, you know, that the, the need for um, better approaches not don't only exist within you know, the DOD network or the intelligence community networks or the civilian federal government networks, they have to extend into all of those um, people and companies that support, you know, uh, uh, the the various agencies out there. And that's that's a pretty daunting, um, uh, you know, exposure if you look at it. So that, that's a big challenge. And it's going to take it's going to take government and it's going to take uh, industry and it's going to take academia working together mm-hmm. to, to, to try to address some of those challenges. I just view that taking a you know, you cannot leave human or, or behavior out of the mm-hmm. out of the um, scenario there. You had that has to be included and it only increases the efficacy of your approach to, to cybersecurity. Who, who owns it, though? I mean, academia, Everybody owns government. It. Everybody owns it. You know, it can't be it, this can't be, you know, the, the, the challenges that, you know, organizations are faced with today can't be solved with a silver bullet. You know, there's no magical technical solution that's going to be able to solve all these challenges. You know, the the you know the, how government operates today with all of those you know third parties, but also with cloud service providers and and you know data all over the place. This is not something that uh, uh, you know you can write a policy to or you know submit regulations towards, and it's going to magically solve the the issue. It has to be you know government and academia and you know. The industry. Uh, uh, industry, you know, all working together to solve this problem. And so just shifting focus a, a little bit onto another area, um, Sean, that I know that you, um, you know, you have quite a, a, a bit of expertise on and kind of critical infrastructure. Uh, mm-hmm. And so in terms of, you know, we we see it talked about constantly right now um, by industry, by government in terms of how do we ensure that w- critical infrastructure is protected? Um, what is the path forward? What are your, your thoughts there in terms of? Yeah, this has been a big area of focus of, of mine and in force points because it, you know, a lot of the challenges that exist within critical infrastructure and you know, and we've really kind of focused on some of the bigger areas that are oil and gas mm-hmm. and, and um, electrical electricity generation and transmission and and critical manufacturing and the defense industrial base. But, the, you know, a lot of the challenges that those organizations face are not new challenges. You know, you have an operational technology network that, you know, your industrial control systems sit on and function within, but they also need to reach out, whether reach out to their original manufacturer or reach out to a service provider um, and often reach directly into the corporate network or even worse, directly, you know, across the Internet into one of these organizations. Um, so you have this this challenge between the operational technology network and 
and your information technology network or your corporate network and um, how do you separate the two now various industries are, are at uh, different levels of sophistication in their approach uh, a lot have you know taken that uh, uh, investment around network segmentation mm-hmm. between the two um, the, the two networks but I also think that you know there's uh, opportunity with um, solving a lot of the challenges this connection between the, the operational technology and the and the information technology networks has been solved by government um, in the past we have a um, a technology called cross-domain, cross-domain solutions, where you know these are essentially high assurance gateways that uh, connect um, uh, varying security levels of networks. So a top secret to a secret, a secret to an unclassified network that um, that uh, are content aware and are are very high assurance to ensure that no. Um, uh, uh, no harmful uh, data or harmful um, malware can get across this, these environments. These have been u- used in government for the past 20 years. Um, there, that's an opportunity for you know organizations in the commercial landscape in critical infrastructure to be able to leverage technologies like that that are tried and true and have been used. Um, you know, in in these high assurance areas for a very long time, but be able to use them now into in a critical infrastructure uh, use case that um, you know are, is is something that a, a lot of these organizations uh, um, you know can can leverage. They in the in the past. Um, uh, there's a there's a high usage of of one way transfer devices and diodes and things like that to 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 address some of the challenges there and some of the security challenges there. But that doesn't solve the problem of, um, you know, these large industrial control systems that now have to reach out back into, you know, service providers and and, uh, and, and you know, and other organizations to, uh, you know, to function as a uh, as an industrial control system. So, you know, the problem is big. Um, it's getting bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, you're starting to see the um, impact of, of, of third-party actors going after these uh, areas. It's not just a um, outsider problem. There's an insider problem associated with this as well. Um, and I think you know we're starting to see a lot of, of pretty scary scenarios um, that uh, you know could potentially take place. You know in this area. Uh, again, we don't want to see an emotional event take place in this uh, in this area because um, it's it's critical. You know, they call it critical infrastructure for a reason. Um, and I would say that, uh, uh, you know, industry working with government, so with DHS and Department of Defense and other organizations working with academia, again, is is the path forward here. You're starting to see, you know, um, NIST and DHS put out guidelines and, and uh, not necessarily policy, but, you know, supportive architectures, you know, for these uh, uh, for these organizations you have. Um, you, you have uh, the NERC and the FERC who, who um, put out guidelines and, and uh, uh, approaches to address some of the challenges here. So there's a lot of uh, government support in this area. I think, uh, um, you know, the, more needs to be done, uh, obviously, because there's a, there's, it, it's a big potential for risk. And you've mentioned a lot of U.S. government certification agencies or, or agencies in this space. This is an international problem. For sure. Absolutely. It's a big international problem. It affects all of us. Yeah. No, absolutely. There there needs to be international guidelines around this. We need to, you know, and, but, you know, the U.S. has a big role to play. 
um, you know, in this space. They call it critical national infrastructure because it's critical to the nation um, uh, that it's supporting. But yeah, you're right. It's a global problem. Um, and, you know, we need to come together, you know, across the across the globe to address it. Uh, this is not something that uh, I mean, you, you see it in um, in, in NATO's approach to uh, addressing it. They're, pro- they're providing guidelines. They're providing support to to um, NATO nations uh, around uh, you know, securing the critical infrastructure. This is this is a big problem out there. What do you think about the thought of, of just building security in early, Sean, like into that infrastructure as they're building it, as opposed to trying to retrofit after the fact? Well, I mean, that would be the ideal situation, but that, you know, that situation is rarely the case, right? You know, these, uh, these nuclear power plants, um, you know, uh, they're not building a whole, ma- a whole bunch of new ones, right? That you can start mm-hmm. with, you know, building in cybersecurity from the front end. A lot of this has to be done, uh, you know, uh, as a retrofit. And you know, a lot of organizations are coming around, you know, the role of the CISO has, you know, in, in a lot of instances, not you know, included the operational technology side of the house, but things are changing. Um, boards are getting in, uh, involved here and engaged here and want the, um, the CISO to be much more involved in the policy setting and in the cyber, um, security, uh, landscape within the operational technology. And it's opening up a lot of eyes. It's, it's highlighting a lot of risk within an organization, but then, or, you know, that's the first step to addressing that risk is identifying it and then getting in there and doing the assessments and the network segmentation. And Erica, do you feel safer or less safe now that we've had this <laughs> podcast? For the last I don't know. <laughs> it it definitely gives you a lot to think about for sure. <laughs> well, it's a village problem, right? Yeah, I mean, this, I is, this is. is not something that industry is going to solve on its own. It's not something that government's going to solve on its own. It, it takes, you know, public private partnerships to go after this after this problem it takes innovation right you know and we we talk about you know we talk about it in the atlantic council around just the the challenge the human challenge of of not having enough cybersecurity talent out there um and that's a big that's a pr- big problem in itself uh in in terms of how do you uh improve the your your security efficacy in, your, in an organization you need talent as well so and that's again academia government industry while working together to solve that problem. It, it almost reminds me of transportation. You know, back in the old days, there were very few rules. Now that we have millions and millions of cars on the road or planes, you know, hundreds, thousands of planes in the sky, we've had to come up with some rules and some protective capabilities to make the world mm-hmm. safer. Yeah. But we've, but we've enabled technology, we've enabled capability while, we're, while we've made the world safer. And my 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 belief is that we can do that for critical infrastructure. We can and do that for IT. It's finding that finding that balance. I was going right, to say when it all between, catches up with each other, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's finding that balance between kind of you know uh, security efficacy with kind of not you know impacting the uh, uh, operations of an organization. So it's you know stopping the bad while not mm-hmm. you know well freeing the good, right? Because you know you don't want to be overly um, prescriptive from a cybersecurity policy perspective that it restricts people's ability to do their job. Because if, if you restrict people's jo- ability to do their job, they're going to find a way around it. And that even, it'll defeat your, mm-hmm. <laughs> all of this investment that you put around cybersecurity. Right. Because I like Cyber Monday a lot better than Black Friday. I want to just get <laughs> online and order something. Do not shut that mission down. <laughs> not that you'd be doing that from work though, Eric, of course. <laughs> that, that would not be in accordance with policy. Of course not. Don't 
don't ever shut that uh, down. <laughs> All right. Well, that, this was great. Thank you, Sean. I, I, you know, your insights are, are, are really, really, really thoughtful. So we appreciate, appreciate you it, um, taking yeah. time with us today. Anytime. Anytime. And Sean, thank you. And, and good luck in the endeavor. Good luck to the whole Force Point team. This is a problem we must solve. Yep. Yeah, yeah and Sean, yeah. if you could put a, um, a good word in for, for Eric and I next year, if FedScoop has any um, cyber podcast awards, we'd like to... Absolutely. <laughs> going right to the top. <laughs> we'd like right to, to be in the running, so <laughs> since, <laughs> since you're in. <laughs> so thanks, everyone, for listening this week. Again, if you have, um, if you'll please subscribe, please leave us any comments, um, listen to our other podcasts. We'd love to hear from our, our listeners. So thanks as always, and we'll see you again next week. Thank you. Have a great week. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us on the To The Point Cybersecurity Podcast, brought to you by Forcepoint. For more information and show notes from today's episode, please visit www.forcepoint.com slash govpodcast. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or the Google Play Store 